Jim Joyce. There Happy we are. Wednesday. You're back. <laughs> you're not you're not awesome. as good looking as just Demasa, but you know. Yeah. No chance. No chance. <laughs> Distant second. I I listened delighted. I thought it was a great. How did you feel? What was it like? What was the what was the comparison? You know, I, I think do, even though we did it over the same, you know, Zoom squares, like seeing yep. people and Murray was in the hallway, like, you know, et right. cetera. It was just a different vibe to it all. Um, right. But here we're, you know, we're so close and yet so far here for the amazing tomorrow Health Excel event. Uh, yeah, when did you get gathering. in? When did you, you just got in now? No, a couple of hours ago, but I've been like, you okay. know, just on, on calls up until, um, and I know that, you know, our session here stands between, well, us <laughs> and the and the drinks with the rest of the, the crew, whoever the came pub. in at the pub. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe with that, um, yeah. I don't know. Any other news? Any happenings? I haven't even looked at anything. It just the, this this week has been insane. But uh, yeah, good I, insane. I think that big, like your your buddies there signed that big deal. That, did we talk about? We talked about that last time, probably. The transparent Walmart deal was a big deal, right? Yeah, I think we did talk about that. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, in the marketplace, I don't know. You know, we work going public, but they're not digital health. <laughs> That's a big deal. No, but but actually, shout out to Glenn. I, I I didn't watch the whole thing, but he was in the interviewer seat, interviewing um, uh, the 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 folks that wrote. Uh, why am I blanking out on the names? But two journalists that wrote about the WeWork, uh, the the WeWork. Ah, okay. I haven't. Uh, okay. So he was interviewing them. But anyway, awesome. um, so let's uh, let's let uh, our wonderful guest in. Awesome. Let's, I'm excited. Uh, about this. Lena Behrens coming all the way from Germany to also Dublin. We're so close and yet so far. And we'll see each other. There she is. Hey. <laughs> Lena, we'll see, Lena. We'll, we'll see you in like 40 minutes in person. <laughs> Amazing. Welcome to Dublin. Welcome to Dublin. Are you in the same hotel as Eugene? <laughs> I don't think so, actually. It looks very different, Eugene, your background. My um, style here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the Hilton here. I'm a Hilton kind of guy, uh, just because <laughs> I've been a Hilton guy for a decade or something. So, Are you on the canal? Um, I, it's a very good question. I'm somewhere north of the, <laughs> north of the canal. I literally arrived five minutes ago, so... <laughs> <laughs> It's been a while last year. Is that the last? Is that the last time I saw you? Was in Dublin? I feel like that was the last time I saw you in Dublin. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Also, I actually was here quite often when I still lived in London. Okay. Be back now. Also, I was told that my odd uh, German accent sometimes sounds Irish, which uh, <laughs> I'm it's... not sure I agree with, but. <laughs> Yeah. It's definitely not like a typical German accent. And I think as we go through your history uh, or, or story, not, not just history, uh, I think yeah. people will recognize you've been um, in many places. places. So for our millions and millions of viewers and listeners, tell us who Lena Behrens is. Sure, absolutely. And I'm very happy to be here. Obviously, I've listened to quite a few of the episodes already. Well um, so, Lena, um, I'm one of the managing directors at Flying Health. We are an ecosystem for next generation healthcare based in Berlin. So I'm German. 
uh, from northern Germany, actually very important, from Bremen. Um, originally uh, left uh, Germany just after my high school, spent 13 years abroad before then moving to Berlin about, yeah, well, now it's nearly four years ago, like three and a half years ago or so. Oh, that's um, all. Sorry? It's only been four years you're back in Germany. Yeah, absolutely. So it sometimes happens that um, people in the German healthcare system ask me very, or make uh, rec uh, comment, comments about uh, developments that were like 10 years ago. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure I followed it that, uh, that deeply. Um, so still struggling with the German and English um, <laughs> language at the same time. Um, yeah, no, I studied in, in Switzerland. Um, I'm an economist by training and okay. then moved to the UK. Um, so I spent six years in London, uh, worked there very classically in strategy consulting, uh, which brought me to Dublin a few times uh, for a couple of projects, um, always in the intersection of healthcare technology advantage at the time, um, and then had the chance to uh, join a social enterprise called Social Finance that was also based in, in London. If you have heard of the concept of social impact bonds, they developed that idea um, to okay. work in health and social care, got uh, got to see a lot of the different areas in, in England, actually. And it was lovely walking along uh, Hadrian's Wall, seeing uh, Salford, Ex uh, Essex, other places. Yeah, and then uh, in 2016, decided to leave, uh, leave London, uh, actually triggered by Brexit, I have to say. Um, oh. Although I took the decision before the actual referendum took place. And yeah, then moved to Bogota. Bogota. Yeah, Colombia. You didn't know, you didn't know that, Jim, right? I, yeah, no, but, I don't think I knew that. We're like, we're big Bogota, me and Eugene are big Bogota fans. <laughs> By the way, before we before we go to Bogota, um, did you say you're from Bremen, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to load this up for the, for the viewers. Hold on, hold on. This oh, is kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> So when I was growing up in the old kind of USSR, there was, um, it was called Bremen Musicians. And this oh, is yeah. the cartoon that I used to watch about Bremen Musicians in the U old USSR. Just a little fact. I should, <laughs> I should use that for health Excel facts. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, Jim, you should also know it. I think in, in Ireland, you also have the Bremen City Musicians, no? As a little... I have no idea. <laughs> I have no. We might. We might. I might. I just probably don't know. <laughs> so we actually have a statue in Bremen, and everybody is always very disappointed because it's so small and not very, not very right. interesting. It's um, like the Alamo. It's like when you go to see the Alamo in Texas, and it's just like a tiny wall that like a tall person could jump over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's still. I mean, you do, You should definitely go to Bremen at some point. If this is how you grew up, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and I was gonna play. There was actually like this little music. I don't ask me to to like. It still like resonates in my 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 brain. Uh, but you know, what's a little? Come on. Give us a song. Give us a little tune here. What do you got? It, it's like the, the guy was like, <laughs> this is the first and only time that you will see that little three seconds of it. Except in an hour from now at Donahue Nesbitt's in the pub, you know, in an hour. From All right. Fair yeah, enough. I think so. after, after a couple of Guinness, then uh, maybe you can do that, but also tomorrow for the, for the whole Health Excel community. Okay, so, so let's go to Bogota. Bogota, yeah. Yes, sorry, I totally started uh, the, where did I go? Um, yeah, My fault. So then Bogota, you know, I mean, all cities start, a good city start with a B, so uh, <laughs> Bremen, 
Bogota, Berlin, so Boston. Yeah, like and, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dublin at least has a B inside, right? Um, and yeah, moved to Bogota and joined one of the largest company builders in Latin America. This time not focused on healthcare, so I did a lot of things um, such as um, leading a school bus company, realizing that it didn't quite work out in the way that it was planned and then had to close it. Um, I uh, ran a restaurant chain for a little while um also quite mm. unexpected challenges there um and opened the office for um, a fintech that was already um present in bogota but we moved to medellin also or opened the second office there so wow. very different kind of work yeah what, you know, what struck you about living in colombia like what like what was the biggest lesson like when you think back on living in colombia what, what blew you away i mean for me it was absolutely the most a wonderful place to be because people are so incredibly welcoming and live in the moment and I mean obviously you probably know about the history that is a bit complicated in Colombia so they would have all the reasons uh, also I mean also still today there's quite a lot of issues um and also at the time when I was there um, um but still people would just like yeah I don't know live in the moment live in the day um, and there's actually a few um surveys uh, done on a global level uh, asking how happy people are and Colombia quite often comes up top so for me that was one of the most amazing I, things yeah. I tell you with this was obviously pre-COVID and I think you and I Lena had a chat actually at another health excel event where you told me about Colombia um, Marina and I went we did like a five-day getaway in Cartagena and you know things that you kind of watch the movies about or read about um, just like it was just an amazing, amazing trip, amazing people, amazing food. Uh, oh, that's ceviche. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it brought me yeah. back. Um, so it's funny because because just as he was going to you were going to Cartagena and I you text me. I'm like, I'm already oh, yeah. in Cartagena. Oh, yeah, I was in Cartagena right, right. beforehand. And and you were booked into the same hotel I was booked into because right? of that because was... of no, no, no. You, t you told us about the ah, hotel where okay. we're looking. So okay. anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. over there then. No, we would just happen to just happen to be like, uh, within weeks. I think it was within a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. exactly. If you go back, I should tell you where to go. Where uh, there's hardly any tourists, and you can see the most amazing like drawings on this hill. I mean, you can just walk up to it, and it's like I might show you some pictures tonight because it's really, really impressive. Totally. No, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Bogota fan, and and Eugene's a big Shakira fan. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely she actually she, li she lives in barcelona as far as i know her kids oh, can go to the same school as mine but i haven't seen her dancing or singing anywhere <laughs> near also um, randomly i mean lena is a very colombian name apparently so every time i ordered an uber people thought they um i would be colombian and then were surprised why i was living ah, okay wow wow awesome so we, restaurants <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, I was actually going to ask you a quick question on, you said company, so you went there for a company builder. And like, to me, a company builder, you got to have that entrepreneurial spirit, like to build something, right? Whether you're inside or outside of, uh, and is Colombia entrepreneurial in spirit? I mean, aside from, you could go back to history as from a, from a drug perspective, you can say that they're great entrepreneurs from that perspective, but. Like, how was it like recruiting and building? And, you know, I'm just curious on that. Yeah, I think in terms of mindset, a lot of people actually have to be very entrepreneurial because a lot of people actually need more than one job to kind of 
make sure the they can cover their cost for, for living. Um, and they often kind of, even if they work somewhere, they might uh, start up something here or start up something there. But it's obviously not the type of startup that we are um, often referring to. Um, and then if you if you look at kind of um, people who are a bit more, um, uh, uh, more educated, have an academic background, a lot of them actually really, uh, or what I saw, obviously, you can't uh, say everybody's like this, but um, are much more focused on uh, having a secure job, um, gaining a, um, like a certain salary. So then actually at that level, it was much harder to convince them to join this slightly crazy company builder that was set up by a bunch of internationals. Um, some of them uh, had been there for quite some time, um, but still were thinking in a very different way. So we often, it actually took us quite some time to, um, to hire talent that was also that was local and actually wanted to get into that entrepreneurial mindset. Obviously, there's still some people who then said, "Okay, I'll just take this uh, kind of yeah entrepreneurial idea and actually build up something." But it, it's definitely a different type of mindset than I see in, in Berlin at the moment. And do you see yourself ever going back to Colombia? Um, I mean, for a certain period of time, yes, absolutely. Um, the thing is that it has, so I, I moved there, so I left after Brexit and then moved there a week after the failed referendum on the uh, peace treaty. Um, and at that time was still relatively quiet. Um, and now with uh, with Corona and also some of the kind of human rights issues, et cetera, it's actually become a bit more complicated. But I mean, yes, at some point I could, I could totally imagine going back there. Fantastic. Okay, so Brexit. As soon as it's possible again. I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> totally. We have a lot of guys. We have a lot of our, our software team. We have a kind of an interesting connection of Colombian people from Colombia that were originally from Venezuela, you know, that kind of moved to Colombia that ended up working. They were software developers. And so we have this like lovely team of software developers with almost that same exact history that are incredibly talented. Um, but kind of moved their way, you know, you know, as like Venice, you know, fa family wise out of Caracas and Venezuela mm -hmm. into Colombia, uh, oh. and in, in some cases into Ireland somehow. I'm not sure <laughs> how that happened. <laughs> I found them. I found them. Hey, listen. <laughs> my my grandparents actually worked, uh, lived in, used to live in Caracas. Um, okay. So my mom grew up there. So maybe that's also part of the love for Latin America that came. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Berlin, we're, we're going to Berlin. Brexit, Berlin. Berlin, yes, exactly. Um, Eugene and I actually uh, hardly ever met in Berlin. We always, even though, we, even when he lived there, we always saw each other somewhere else or met but, randomly on the plane. <laughs> but I, I do remember the first time we met, it was outside of a, I think Flying Health was putting on, it was some event, something, and another, I, I honestly don't remember who yeah. introduced you and I, you just got to Berlin. That was, I think, the first time we met. Um, obviously, it was memorable because I remember it, Lena. Um, but then was, you're right. We, we, we haven't. Say that again? Maybe. I think it was at the drinks of the Charité Summit a few maybe, years ago. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so Landon in Berlin, uh, I think your company building was the sort of the key to come back, right? Or... Exactly. So landed in Berlin and thought about what what is it that makes me get up every day. And given that as so many people in digital health, I have a lot of doctors in my family. 
um, who weren't very convinced of me studying economics and going into management consulting and were very happy that I was still interested in healthcare. Um, it was um, the digital health scene that I started to look at when um, going back to Berlin and then met the two founders of Flying Health, Christian and Marcus. Um, and at the time, Flying Health was doing a lot of different things, so including company building. So I joined them actually initially um, as director company building. Um, then the thing is that even though I worked in it uh, and I went for that job, um, I'm actually a bit skeptical on company building because I think you need uh, a certain setup for this to be successful. And Flying Health at the moment, we don't have any VC background. Um, we're not a spin-off of a large corporate. Um, so um, I actually said, if we don't have, like, uh, if we don't have that, it's much harder to to do the company building. So, um, got in, kind of changed my own role several times, um, and then we were asked to um, set up the VC fund uh, for the private health insurances, Heal Capital. I think you had Eckhart already. Um, on that's right. The that's right. We did. Yes. That's right. So I was involved in that project, um, and it's a joint venture between um, our parent company and Heartbeat Labs. And in that process, Christian Marcos uh, gave over the uh, management of Flying Health to my colleague Laura and myself um, and moved up to our parent company. And we now have Heal Capital as our sister company and a few other uh, companies next to it because they definitely still go for the company building and have large vision, uh, which okay. is fantastic. So, so tell us, like, with this, like, before we go into Flying Health, which I'm excited to hear how it's going, but is, you know, company building, why the suspicion? Um, I think company building, so, so one of the issues that I saw in, um, at Polymath is that we had a certain process to think through what kind of ideas we should um, actually mm -hmm. set up. Um, and at least in the B2B space, I think that was quite complicated to really understand where could be willingness to pay, how could the, um, what could the product actually look like. And also, uh, we then had this uh, team working on the idea and then had a different team that wanted to build the, build the company. And I mean, on the one hand, it's good to have a like a switch there because as I mentioned, the school bus company, for instance, that was one of those switches and I could go back to uh, see whether the assumptions would actually make sense and whether we could actually build it and realize that maybe they weren't as positive as um, the initial team who yep. brought up this baby actually thought. Um, so, right. But that's still one issue, I think. Um, and it's a very different thing if you get up every day because it's your own idea and you really want to build it right. and just the entrepreneur, all your heart and everything you have to it, or whether you're somebody who got brought in to build up a, an idea that um, maybe came out of a more structured process. I think that's one of the issues. Right. You know, right. I, I, I remember when we spun up with my old hat, right, in a pharma company, a, 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 a venture company building unit. Um, you know, I always looked at it. I, I would not expect a large company to really, you know, spin it up. And this is full of entrepreneurs. I looked at that unit as more of a de-risking of, because ideas are cheap, right? Um, Understanding that problem statement, de-risking it, the uh, the concept that we as entrepreneurs go through, right? But maybe much more of a you know formalized process around it, and then partnering with the right entrepreneurs to as you de-risk the problem statement. Now, I do think that something like um, I've been just watching Redesign Health, and there's a number of folks like you know Missy Krasner that came in and others. 
I, I actually think it's an interesting way because they are looking at the market. They have LPs in their fund. They co-invest right. with others. And then they basically bring in a founding team that comes with that experience and want to build again, right? Like, I, I think right. there's a few of these kind of companies. And I look at that as a, almost like a great setup. And some of these LPs are strategic corporates, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think there's certain ways to set it up, but you just need you need to really think through why should your company build up be successful and what do you need for it? And you need the right ideas. So the question is, how do you get the ideas? You need the right team and make sure that they are aligned, both neither too closely involved nor, nor too far ahead. And you need the resources to really go in. And then the question is, what kind of um, uh, resources does the company builder provide? So is it services? So do you have shared services, which makes mm -hmm. sense make a lot of sense, especially at the beginning of building up a company. Um, and then the question is, how do you bring in the finance, right? Um, mm -hmm. but, um, but at the time, at least when I looked at what we were doing at Flying Health, the way we were set up, it, I thought it might not be quite the right thing to do everything at once. Yep. At that right. Focus, well, you know, right? I, I, I've seen like lots of examples recently and I won't name them because um, I don't want to call them out, but like this, where success, where, where it felt like they also, you know, they, people did company building where, you know, a company was heavily capitalized. They were, um, you know, they were, you know, had major backers behind them. You know, they had a thesis over a sp certain specific opportunity and they kind of almost had an immediate pathway to some level of revenue or business or clinical development stage. Right. So like, so like the first, like, say like two or three years, of what they were going to focus on was incredibly clear, you know, with lots of resources. So that starts yeah. to feel more like a, you know, like a, like a very talented person in a job versus a, you know, an entrepreneurial, you know, pursuit of, of finding and searching. And, you know, so it's like, you know, we need to go after these clients and go after this or bring the product through this development phase, you know, like the first phase of, um, so I feel like that where they just de-risk so many aspects of it, but it takes a lot of money and it takes, you know, access to customers from the beginning. So um, I've seen that work more recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see that. And there's a quite a few company builders who, who are successful, right? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I just think people need to like, just just doing company building, same as just doing, saying your startup doesn't make you successful, right? Yeah, I mean, we you had know what, we uh, early days, we did some investments with Health Excel, you know, like early, early, like early, early iteration and, um, it was it was absolute fun. It was complete madness. <laughs> Some of the companies, you know, made it out the other side, but it wasn't easy. It was not I, a guaranteed living. I, I think it was actually a relatively good ratio. I know. I think yeah. at least one that got acquired by a Dutch firm. I can't remember the name. There was, there was yeah. you know, so it was a good shot at it. Um, yeah, like two, two or three kind of like made proper yeah. businesses, yeah. you know, out of it. About ten we'll or so. Have, we'll have to ask. Made. We'll have to ask Marty and the P and L from that yeah. year or something, right? But. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you should but, go back in time and have a look at it and go back to. Yeah, yeah. no, I think we, we might just go like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now Flying Health. So what's the? So you you've joined the team at Flying Health. What's what's happening there? How's it going? How are we feeling about it? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. So I joined when we were, I think, about seven or eight people. I was the first one uh, bringing in experience from kind of other. Um, uh, other companies so uh, was the first to join the management team um, as I said at the beginning I had different roles um, and then two years ago my colleague Laura and I took over the management of the company 
And we focused much more on our business model, which is um, basically, well, we call it an ecosystem for next generation healthcare, but it's basically boutique consulting for next generation healthcare with a strong expertise. So kind of a think tank part to it and a very strong network. Um, and we're obviously, given that we are Berlin-based, our network is very strong in Germany, but increasingly also more internationally. Um, and we work with all different actors, kind of traditional actors in the healthcare system. So hospital groups, health insurances, pharma, medtech, have also worked with automotive companies that are looking at the healthcare field um, or consumer goods companies. Um, so like vision is healthcare will not be as separate from our daily life as it is today. So we want to kind of bring in all the different um, actors that are relevant for it. And we also very strongly believe that if you want to actually change something, given how complex health is, as we all know, you can't only kind of change one dial, you really need to think through what does that mean for all the different uh, pieces of the puzzle and then bring everyone at the table to actually kind of do this together. Um, yeah, and then we also work with quite a few startups, um, especially with the DIGA um, pathway yeah. that you both obviously know a lot about. And there's a few companies, quite a few companies reaching out to us um, to help them understand the, the German landscape and understand how to be successful there. So and I think Diga, you guys have some, before we jump into Diga, I, I think, you know, in this market, I think you guys also been able to get some great peeps, right? Like uh, I think Florian, uh, who I've yeah. met through sort of the startup scene also. Yeah. I trying to remember Je jennifer she she's a g4a alum jennifer buff yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I can never I just, pronounce I, her yeah, okay. i didn't know that you remember her uh, but you know her yeah yeah uh yeah. she was uh she was an intern at uh yeah. at uh at, at, at bear g4a yeah yeah so, uh, so we yeah. we we, pre we prepped her for you nah. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic very happy to hear that yeah um, <laughs> Actually, used to be the CEO of uh, Msense, and actually was that's right. one of the first Giga into the market. So that was obviously very, very helpful experience. Yeah. Okay, so so give us your wisdom. Where's Giga at? Where's Giga at? So we are actually at twenty-four Giga. I checked the numbers again just before going in, so to make sure okay. that we are all on the same. I, I, I get it from Brian Dolan. Uh, he updates right. it in his own. He, you know, he reads German probably, and then you know. Right, so 24, 24. 24. Last week, uh, I think wow. it was the fourth that came in. Um, and out of those, you know that there's the two different paths, right? So you can be listed preliminarily or permanently. So we have six now that are listed permanently. I think what is really interesting, the six are basically, four of them are from the same company. So Gaia. Gaia. Um, then Somnio um, is one that has been in there for quite some time. And then uh, the last Giga that was listed was Hello Better with uh, stress and, and burnout. So that was uh, the, actually, we actually worked with them. So it's fantastic that they are also been listed permanently. And the uh, other 18 are all on the track to try and gather all the evidence. They have a, a year, uh, some of them, which uh, obviously some of them have been in there nearly a year by now because it was right. having this. 5th or 6th of October last year that the first ones were listed. Um, as far as I know, one of them has prolonged um, the uh, negotiate, the pricing negotiation. Um, and uh, one of them has also prolonged the time they need to actually bring in the uh, the evidence. Apparently the evidence is there, but it was a little bit too tight for them, uh, for Farm to then take the decision whether they can keep, they can okay. stay permanently. But I think what is really interesting, so I think 
so those numbers won't fully fit because they are from, from somewhat different uh, timings. But um, when I looked at it early October, there were about just under 100 applications. So wow. 90, wow. 96 applications. At that time, there were 20 that had been approved already. So as I said, I don't have the very yeah. recent details. Right. Um, and then of the remaining, um, of the remaining, um, so, so sorry, there were 20 that, uh, 27 that were current, uh, still in the process of being um, uh, looked at. Um, so it's 69 that were uh, at the time um, where the decision it. was um, of which 20 got in, four got rejected, and the remaining 45 decided to withdraw, which is a huge number, right, of uh, companies that decided to apply. That's crazy. Well, it's product necessarily, because to your point, four out of six, it's, it's product, not necessarily. So, yeah. um, uh, it's it. applications, right? So some of them might yeah. have withdrawn and then come back in, in again. Um, but I think it also shows because in Germany, there's all this discussion whether or not um, the B farmers may be being too nice um, because of the 12 month period that they can still gather the evidence. Um, and I think this shows that there is, they do give quite strong feedback if they don't think that the, um, that the measures are being taken. So then companies can withdraw, review and potentially um, come back in again. It's interesting because I saw something in exits and outcomes, um, and I don't remember the numbers, but there was uh, one or two or few of them for up for a negotiation, right? So you mentioned six were now accepted permanently. And some of the pricing was actually uh, went upwards, which was honestly yeah. great to see from an investment perspective from, you know, and I wasn't that significant upwards from what I remember, but it was just interesting to see. Mm. Um I'm not sure the uh, association of the statutory health insurances thought it was that positive. No, I, 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 I agree. But but that to me, I don't think it's, uh, and again, I'm not in those negotiations, but I'd be kind of curious to see because if the outcomes in the 12 months, right, or, or the data that the companies presented back make sense from avoidance of other costs, et cetera, maybe that is the case, right? So uh, maybe the, the sick funds are actually happy to pay an extra hundred bucks for the year, but that, you know, saves other costs. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have a lot of discussions about this, right? So how do you, how do you price a product which doesn't have the evidence? It, could there be an, uh, a scenario where you go in with a lower price potentially, and then because you gather the evidence, you actually manage to negotiate a higher price um, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that the Association of the Statutory Health Insurances have done negotiations with um, pharma companies for a very long time, so they're very skilled negotiators. Um, so I think it's quite important to keep that in mind when you go in. Like it's not right. Just, let's talk about uh, pricing. Yeah, I yeah. Found it easy, but from the conversations I've had, I think uh, yeah, people were. Uh, did realize maybe they need to prep for it a it, little bit. It's going to be interesting to see, and I'm going to do like a little shout out. I just met him literally, I think yesterday we had a call for the first time through Anish, uh, Stan Sugarman. He just joined Gaia um, yeah. as a chief commercial officer. So uh, it'd be interesting to see because, you know, I, I love the products, but it's very much been a, um, an R&D kind of play, right, to date, right? And they've been... They've been around for 20 years, I just learned, right? Yeah. Something like that. It's crazy. I, you know. Absolutely. And they have quite a few um, pharma um, corporations, uh, both in Germany and also abroad. Um, right. Yep. And, and so, 
traction. Traction. Yes. <laughs> Just because and, you're eligible and there is a reimbursement, that doesn't mean that it's being put into patients and consumers, right. quote unquote, hands. Absolutely. It's one of the uh, issues, like uh, the um, people celebrating once they're listed, same as before when they had the selective contracts. Well, now the work starts, right? So now you need yeah. to talk to um, doctors, to, to um, patients. Yeah, I mean, Germany is a very, very conservative country. Um, at least to me, it feels like it when I move back. Um, what I, to be honest, I mean, yeah, I hadn't re maybe not quite realized before coming back um, and lived there. And there's a lot of people who are very happy to do the same thing as they have done for the last decades. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, a lot of, um, there's not that many physicians who are actually thinking that this is a fantastic idea. Also, they are not, I mean, there there is some reimbursement for them to actually explain it and prescribe it, but quite a few of them are also like, why would I need to go into all the details to go there? Um, I think that there's different, so the companies have uh, taken different approaches um, for it. So there's some that went for the traditional kind of pharma um, corporations. So um, Gaia with Depraxis being one. Um, there's one or two other ones that are um, really trying to not build up their own sales force, but have, have people go and knock at, at the door, etc. They There's a few that have actually built up their own sales organization. So I think it's five of the listed bigger that have built up their own sales organization. They just hired a couple of new people. So it's very recent. So it's hard to say yeah. how they are trying to go out there. And then there's a few that just go kind of one by one. Um, right. I think, I mean, from what I've seen, obviously you need to look at um, the time that they've spent in there. So um, the current estimates uh, are that by the end of the year, there's about 50,000 um, giga codes that have uh, that were surprised. I think in June, it was about 20,000 um, okay. at the time. So we're still talking very low numbers, right? I spoke to some health insurances right. recently and they said, if you compare it to like the downloads they had for their own programs, yep. it's small. Now it's pretty, pretty marginal. Yeah. But there's so much education that is still needed. Right. But I yeah, think like it's also one of the reasons why the VC funds are still a little bit skeptical about. Uh, right. Oh, right. Especially, yeah. in, especially yeah. in Europe. And I mean, obviously, this is for Europe. And I think we've asked that question to Eckhart, right? Like, and this is not the first right. one. It's kind of like DIGA doesn't really mean anything to us from a perspective of real scale, right? Um, kind of yeah, wait, I mean, wait and see. No, absolutely. And I think it's so it's one way to get into the system and be able to be um, to pre-prescribe. But unless you crack the every single um, clinician in your area knows that DIGA exists, that your DIGA exists and that you are the one that they should prescribe. Um, right. it's very hard. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, I, that's another thing that I often talk to founders about. Like a, a, lot, a lot of very large companies have tried to get uh, physicians to prescribe their own products. And there's quite a lot of regulation around this. So you also can't just go out and just tell them. And I think we, I'm very curious to see if we see any um, any issues with that later on because. Yeah. Right. Yeah, these so new I, actors explaining their products in the marketplace that don't have the same regulatory infrastructure of a device company, uh, you know, a traditional one or a pharma company, right? Yeah. So there could be some concerns, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, different type of traction. Macron just said that they want to copy the gigapathway yep. to France. And yep. there will be a roundtable in a couple of weeks to actually share lessons from Germany also. So, yeah, we got so we got Germany, we got Belgium, uh, we got France. Uh, I know Roberto was talking about there's some things are coming in Italy, right? Uh, and I think all all eyes will be on on some of the large these larger countries, right? That to see uh, yeah. how how the impact is. I feel like the uh, NHS is the NHS is interesting too. You know, like we put in our product in and got an NHSX approval and put it through, and it feels like it's clarifying. You know, a little bit in the, you know, the NHS directorate is kind of moving in the right direction. Although there's another uh, NHS reform coming up, right? So in April, there will be yeah. a new organization. Yeah. At least it's less than before, but I guess they don't have the, even if you go through NHS or the um, the NICE link, you don't have the link to the reimbursement, right? It's still very separate. Right, right. I just, I, I still remember, uh, I think it was at the Financial Times Summit in Berlin, Jan Spahn was just, I think, like kicking it off and talking about it. And uh, I haven't seen him on stage. I wonder if he still has as much energy as he did then, right? Because, I mean, uh, I think given the the C19, which we're not supposed to say, and pushing this through, um, I mean, it just... We had yeah. an election recently, so it's pretty clear that... Will not be the health minister anymore. Okay, oh. I didn't know. I'm not following it this closely. So, so okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, um, even prior to the to the election, already suggested that if the CDU won, he would most likely go prefer going into somewhat a different direction. Um, he could potentially. Oh, I think he said if he needed to stay, he would also stay. Um, but if you, so, the discussion is currently ongoing. But the largest party um, out, out of the election is not the CDU, but the Social yeah. Democrats. So they are currently leading the discussions with the Green Party and the Liberals. So if, uh, and from what I hear, discussions are going or negotiations are going quite well. So the, if that does go through, as everybody expects at the moment, there will definitely be a new health minister. Okay, well, so we, who is going to be the health <laughs> I was going to say, I think this is the first time on the shot that we got like a country political, uh, you know, brief <laughs> yeah, yeah. in 30 seconds. Um, what, <laughs> one other question. I remember I interviewed uh, on, on my DTX podcast, Christian Dierks, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think he mentioned something. There was the DIGA and then there were conversations around DIPA. Um, yes. Can you, I, I, you know, I think I interviewed him like a year ago at this point, if not more. Uh, any thoughts? So DIPA was for kind of the uh, elderly care market, exactly. right, if I'm not mistaken? Elderly okay. Care. Exactly. So, it's, so um, exactly. So D, DI is always for digital. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the easy the part, digitale. So DR, you have digital and application, and now the one in the middle, one is healthcare, which is Gesundheit, and then P is uh, Pflege, uh, which is care. Um, so the way it's set up is quite different um, than the DIGA, especially in terms of pricing. So they put in a very low pricing price cap. I think it's 50 euros, if I'm not mistaken, per patient per month, including any human interaction that might be involved in this. Um, and so... Well, so whilst that is in, like one of the reasons why probably we haven't seen as much focus on DPA because just in terms of market, it's much more complicated if you compare that to the pricing in, um, in the DIGA world. Um, the new government ha has already, well, 
new government is not there, but the negotiators have already said that um, modernizing care, putting a focus on care, like bringing digitalization to care is one of their key focus areas. And so I do think that we will see something um, in that area, but just how exactly it'll be um, planned out, it's, it's a bit more complicated. So at DEPA, we're basically at the stage, if you look at the DIGA legislation, the DIGA were kind of announced um, and it was put into law and then they needed to write the um, kind of the agree or like the more detailed description on what it, what it actually might look like. And then they needed to put in the process and then you can apply. And we are at the, it's kind of put into law, um, it, the concept exists, but there needs, still needs to be this longer paper that tells right. you what Great. is it exactly. Um, and I think the ministry have been a bit uh, cautious to, there might be, there might be drafts out there um, or it might be drafts somewhere in, uh, in the back pocket, um, but they wouldn't, because of the possible change in government, they wouldn't want to put it in practice just now. Okay, yeah. fantastic. So we, I mean, we can keep diving deeper and deeper into Germany. Uh, we're at 42 minutes to be exact. And, and, and we're, we're, the three of us are anxious to go to a pub. So uh, do you want to just yeah. go to your, your, your magic question? Okay, so Lena, uh, picture yourself a lot young German Colombian uh, executive <laughs> that just moved to Berlin and you're uh, starting up a company that has huge prospects and uh, to be successful in a DIGA application. And you know, doctors will undoubtedly be dying to prescribe uh, the product and that you get it all figured out. What advice would you give to that young entrepreneur? Um, I think one of the most important uh, parts is really to build a strong network and know what you don't know and ask for help if you don't know something, because even if you're as brilliant in that moment as you might think you are, there will be other people who have possibly um, had certain experiences and you don't need to learn everything yourself um, and really trying to listen to other people and, and ask the right questions. And then at the same time, if everybody tells you this doesn't work, this doesn't work, don't lose your hope and find some way that you get up still and that your eyes are still smiling and that you really want to to achieve that vision that you're um that love, you're aiming love at. it love it love it so in about 20 minutes i will see you guys I'm, i need to upload this uh this was great <laughs> and i will pick i will learn from the both of you and many others yeah. that are at the pub keep your eyes smiling it sounds like a very irish expression so it's a good way to <laughs> good way to leave <laughs> we'll see you at donahy and perfect in a few <laughs> see you, soon. See you. Bye. Thanks for traveling it. Bye.